fondest memory of a distant childhood in a distant Korea was when she used to visit her grandmother's house. There, dropped like a patch of vibrant green and molded concrete, was the madang, the courtyard within a traditional Korean home, an outdoor living room, if you will. It was there where Grace Kim first played make-believe, creating a space where real life and the abstract first met. For Dr. Grace Kim, professor and writer of theology and the Korean-American experience, the Madang is a sacred place for guests to openly share their experiences and work, a place where real life and ideas are up for discussion. This podcast welcomes guests to speak openly on modern issues in religion and culture. The Madang is open. I invite you to come in, converse, and stay for a while. This episode of Madang is sponsored by Good Faith Media and Louisville Institute. Good Faith Media provides reflection and resources at the intersection of faith and culture through an inclusive Christian lens. They do so through four channels, news and opinion, video and podcasts, publishing and experiences. Learn more at goodfaithmedia.org. Funded by the Religion Division of Lilly Endowment, Louisville Institute awards grants and fellowships to those who lead and study North American religious institutions, practices, and movements, advancing scholarship to strengthen church, academy, and wider society. For more information, visit louisville-institute.org. Welcome to Madang. Thank you so much, Reverend Jackson, for coming on today's episode of Madang. It's so wonderful to have you here. You're someone who doesn't really need any introduction, but just to say a few words, you're the founder and president of Rainbow Push Coalition, and you ran for president twice. Yes? Yes. Okay. Now, can I express my thanks for being with you today? Share about this book. Yeah, can you do you have a copy of the book? Yes, Keeping Hope Alive. Thank you so much uh, for giving us, giving the whole world your book. So today, thank you so much for coming on today's um, episode of Madang to talk about Keeping Hope Alive, published by Orbis Books, and it is available uh, as hard copy, ebook, audiobook, and now a leatherbound book, uh, a limited copy of signed leatherbound book so it's really exciting to be here and before we get into the book and, I also and, want and to... it's, it's edited by grace Tishan kim <laughs> thank you yes. very much okay thank you for mentioning us it was such an honor to edit your book so before we get into the book i just wanted to say also thank you for endorsing my latest book hope and disarray so thank you for that and i just wanted to know how your health is are you doing well these days doing very well. I had a little bout for a while. I had a, a, a real abdominal pain. I thought it was, it felt kind of like it was this COVID-19. I, I didn't think it could happen, but you never know. So it, it hurts so bad. I went to the hospital. Determined it was a, a, a defect in my gallbladder. It was uh, poisoning my system. Uh -huh. the immediate surgery. The surgery worked very, very well. What okay. happened was, the next morning I woke up, I could not walk. Oh no! Could not talk. Five days, I made three steps, oh, uh, and and and, uh, and so it was a long journey. One of my friends, Reverend Brother Omar Sharif, 
was going to COVID 19, woke up at third day, he could not walk either. Oh, now he, and so I, it was a source of inspiration to me. So uh -huh. I worked very diligently, went to the, uh, for three weeks to the further uh, Ryan Biltis Center, uh -huh, uh -huh. kind of laboratory for getting uh, your body back in order and uh -huh. doing very well now. Walking, oh, that's talking, good. And, walking and talking and reading issues that matter. Okay, so thank you. I'm so glad you're recovering and you look fabulous. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for allowing me to be a long distance runner. Yeah, you certainly are. So um, as we get into the book, you know, the book is a collection. So I was honored to edit the book and I'm so thrilled about how well it's doing and it's reaching various people. That's what we were hoping for. So people in the churches, people in schools and seminaries and individuals and study groups are looking into it. But just to let people know who haven't um, read your book or knew about your book, um, it, the foreword is written by Reverend Otis Moss Jr. The afterword is by Dr. Eddie Gloud, and it has a selection of your sermons and speeches. So today, you know, the sermons are so moving for me. Um, so I wanted to just point out, yeah, there's one sermon called Beauty from the Ashes that you preached in South Africa in 2006. Did you want to say something about that particular sermon? I was left school in South Africa in 1979, and it was, it, was, it was ashes, it was ugly. I mean, these were in jail in the Island, in exile. Uh, so it was an awful time, uh, rigidly divided society. Uh, rigid in the sense that blacks could not be downtown at night. Couldn't walk on the same side of the street as, as whites did. And the whites had high walls and gates around their communities. And blacks lived in squalor and poverty and in very wealthy nation. Part of South Africa's wealth is not only what's beneath the soil, but it's where the, the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans kiss and meet. Uh -huh. One of the great trade routes of the world in South Africa. Pacific and the Atlantic come together there. So it's an abundant nation. So one day we were moving tragedy to treasure. Tragedy was part of the treasure of living together. In time, 20 years later, uh, 79, uh, 99, back in South Africa again, and uh, Mandela had been freed and comes well in its way to open up a, a democracy, but coexistence rather than co-annihilation. Uh -huh. I said, from the beauty of the ashes, from the ashes came with leadership like Nelson Mandela and Oliver Tambo uh, and Becky, uh, African Council Churches. Uh, it, it's beautiful, and that's a place where people visit, see what happened then when. Mm -hmm. one, of the, one, of the, one of the pearls of all of Africa, South Africa today. Mm -hmm. And you've been there many times, so um, that sermon was so moving for me, so thank you for giving a bit more First time in 1979, I, blessed that I get it at that time, oh. uh, but I was blessed to have as my seminary president, mm -hmm. Halbert Shulman, Dr. Halbert Shulman, who was a member of the American African American Council Churches, uh, and he, he related to the South African Council Church. I got in kind of on, 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 the, on the wings of that, and so we met South African Council Churches. Never forget him at South Africa, anxiety and some fear. Uh, I thought we were kind of easy in the country and kind of going low. Over the plane door and the bevy of press was there. I mean, like for the cameras, all that. Because they, they knew what I've been doing in civil rights here, protesting, civil disobedience, going to jail and the like. So I might come to South Africa with that. So uh, I, I tried to figure out how to be, to certainly say nothing and something say, I said, well, let it be here because I'm coming in. Why are you here? I'm here to meet friends and 
churches and said, no, that's not where you're at. Well, you're really here. So, well, I'm here to uh, see, I've read about South Africa, I've seen violent clashes on television. I'm going to see for myself. Well, now, why are you really here? I said, well, I believe in human rights for all human beings. Made human rights by one yardstick. What did I say that for? Human rights for human, human beings. Made it by one yardstick. And that was papers all over the country. He didn't let him in. He's meddling. In the next 17 days, we traveled all across the country to Durban, where the uh, Inkata was, where Indian population was, where Gunnison did movement in South Africa. Put off of a train in, in, in South Africa, and he began full quest for nonviolent peace and sit back to India. Started in Durban, South Africa. Went to, uh, uh, to Johannesburg and Durban, the capital, from, from, the, from uh, Toledo, which is Southwest Township, a huge ghetto. Uh -huh. Basically, black people, but it's a, an air of change and revolution in the air. It went to Cape Town. Cape Town is a beautiful city by the sea. You see Robbins Island from Cape Town, where Mandela had been for time for 20 odd years. It was a very rich trip for me. Oh, that's so wonderful. Thank you for sharing. And also, how you mentioned about Gandhi on his trip to South Africa, that's when he realized. Um, the discrimination and racism, right? Huge, huge Indian population there. And mm -hmm. uh, they basically live in, in Durban, South Africa. Durban, South Africa, part that really didn't make sense. Durban is, is, is in San Francisco. It's black, it's white, it's brown, it's Indian, it's Kata, it's Lulu. It's, it's just a very, it's too, too multicultural to, to segregate. Mm -hmm. Yet some of them managed to, to stifle black development and growth. Couldn't have both just the end of democracy. So Gandhi was there as a young lawyer. And then he found himself uh, off the train at night because he was Indian, was not mm -hmm. white. Said all night long, he thought through and God visited him, it seems to me. Uh -huh. He had began to pursue the nonviolent philosophy. So if you change, you change the society without, but from within. Soul power. Yeah. Power one's soul, power one's body. Leader based upon, should I say, uh, uh, sacrifice as opposed to some leadership based upon uh, just negotiating relationships, change people. Yeah. So it began in South Africa. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So I actually went to South Africa about 10 years ago. So I understand the movement and how powerful, you know, our society can change when we have certain leaders like you, uh, Mandela, and others who speak out. So thank you for your work and thank the you for sharing. Says the whites were not to the population. Latin win politics, but would they be uh, retribution, retributive justice? Mm -hmm. They'd be inclusive. And so another came out with the power, in fact, to wreak havoc and hurt a lot of white people. He chose a negotiation over confrontation, which was coexistence over co annihilation. Army and Dr. King make you live together, brothers and sisters, you die part of food. Mandela chose that route. South Africa is a strong nation, and time will get even stronger. Yeah, so thank you for your work because you've been there. So you said your first trip was 1979, but you've been there so many times. It felt like you were going there every year almost. So oh, yeah, thank for you the, for your for work. the election in 1990. Okay. But I can not get the day that Mandela came out of jail. Yeah, you so were there, that, right? Yeah, because uh, I've seen pictures. There was, uh, yeah, and uh, he came out of jail that, that Sunday. Kings and queens sat there. All offices around the, around the world, in Britain, in France, around the world. We just know this man come out of jail. Power, the transforming power of a, of a witness, the truth, and for justice. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
people running around the hotel beating pans against the door and dancing in the streets. They were free in their minds, and they were free indeed. Wow. Great moments of their lives in South Africa. Yeah, I wish I was there. So thank you for sharing that. We see pictures and we see some videos. So thank you for sharing that. I just wanted to read a little excerpt from your book, um, the foreword from uh, Reverend Otis Moss Jr., just a few sentences. He writes, um, this volume of sermons and speeches is a necessary textbook for youth and adults, both for today and for tomorrow. However, these are only a few chapters of the preaching and teachings of Jesse Jackson Sr. All the workshops, dialogues, Saturday morning meetings and messages of Reverend Jackson cannot be contained in one volume. His ministry is global. His leadership is a global classroom. If you take a look at the time, places, events, and circumstances where Reverend Jackson has spoken and preached, that alone will give a profound overview of the height, breadth, and depth of his leadership. You know, I agree so much with him because when I was putting the book together, you know, uh, we can't keep, we can't put all of your sermons and all of your speeches. So we had to pick and choose. But what he says, you know, though you were all around the world and your impact is so big, I don't know, and your relationship, you worked with Reverend Otis Moss Jr. So did you want to share some of your personal stories or Reverend your Jr. Yeah, work? Dr. King was sitting around one night talking about the great preachers of the day. Uh -huh. And uh, he mentioned Dr. Gardner Taylor and, and the very great preachers, Reverend Taylor Frankenstein. You can't, don't get to him before your name Otis Moss. Don't get the chance. Otis was in his service at that time. He was in Simmer, he was at Sunday Morehouse. He joined Ebenezer. Dr. King had not even gone to seminary at that time. He knew Dr. King before Montgomery. So he was very involved in Dr. King's struggle in his, in his vision. And he is a, a profound preacher of our time, uh, a transformative preacher. He does, he does not believe the gospel is transactional, sacrificial, and loving. So he has been a great influence in my life. Yeah. And I've heard his sermons on YouTube, but I've heard him, um, I think, a couple of years ago live at University of Chicago. That was so moving. So I'm so glad that you had this long-term relationship with him and that he was able to write this beautiful foreword. So yeah. I think people who, who read your book, um, they should start with the foreword and see how it was a very personal tribute to your work and to your legacy. So I'm just grateful for that. So um, there is the foreword, we have some sermons, and then the second had, part of the book. About remorse. Uh -huh. Dr. King was, was jailed in Breezeville, mm -hmm. and he felt he would be killed. Dr. King was going to be killed. He felt that he should felt. happen. Uh -huh. So there's a regimental traffic violation or something. He's looking to put him in jail. And and that's really where Kendrick called Dr. King, I called Mrs. Coretta King. Nixon did not. Dr. King's father was a, was a, a Lincoln Republican. As Fred mm -hmm. Douglas had been, so you had you had the Republican, Lincoln, the uh, Emancipation Proclamation, the Fourth and Fifteenth Amendments, uh, and you had Jefferson Davis and the, and the Southern Union, the Union, the Confederates, and out of that came a division within our country. Those were for togetherness and unity, slavery, secession, sedition, and segregation, and so they, they they lost their war, and so blacks were Republicans at that time. Mm -hmm. Part of, of liberation. See, for racism so deep here, South, South Democrats became Republicans. Today's Democrats against the Southern, uh, today's Democrats against the Southern Democrats. 
they should act the same way, trying to deny people the rights to vote and, and, and share participation. Uh, and now the movement, uh, Nixon and the Harry and Lindsay of Reagan and, uh, and uh, Reagan and, and, and uh, Strom Thurmond and, and the like. So uh, Dr. King, of course, espoused there's a more akin to the modern Democratic Party, mm -hmm. not, not the Southern Democratic Party. It sounds confusing, but today's Republicans, yesterday's Democrats, today's Republicans, they fight to not, not, not part of the vote. Uh -huh. Also, that happened in the South. And so we well, that happened in 1964, that you're saying it flipped. And then so Dr. King's father, who was a Republican, later changed and became a Democrat. Yeah, and and when he he was a Kennedy Democrat as opposed to a Nixon. So what made him was, change? There was an incident that made him change, right? Yeah, and he, he reached out to Dr. King at Kennedy, and so uh -huh. he exchanged. And of course, Kennedy won it by 113,000 votes. So the King's father is said to have a lot to do with his winning and making that change in 19, 1960. Otis Moss, uh, there's an iconic picture of him holding a sign, welcome Dr. King back to Atlanta, standing there alone. River Moss has been to the movement for a long time. Oh, so it's so wonderful. Um, he's like a little, he's like your older brother. So I think the the forward that he wrote is so personal. So um, it's a really big tribute to your legacy. So I was really pleased with his. So as we move to the second part of the book, um, you do have speeches and, you know, as I said before, we can't put all your speeches in here, but you were, you traveled all around the globe. You know, you're not just an American civil rights leader, you are a global civil rights leader. So we included in the book, um, some of your speeches from Senegal, Colombia, India, Qatar, England, and then throughout the United States um, and, and also in Thailand. So it's a great example of how you impacted the globe. So it was, I was a very I'm trying pleased. to speak to various situations. Yeah. I was, I was not given, I was not given what one like an organized speech for reading. It was situational, the isness of the moment. You thought it and you speak to what you're dealing with that on that occasion. I wanted to share that the gospel is universal. Yeah. Everybody's looking for good news. But what economic system or political system they're in, they still looking for the good news. When, when we arrived, we, uh, whether it was one time I went to uh, South Korea, that yeah. they have passports and stuff of some designation in Japan. Because Japan, they, they, they removed those barriers to Japanese, uh, to South Korea, and they did. This American South Korea. Uh, we, we challenged the apartheid leaders of America in, in South Africa, and the allies of America to see if society could get the blacks in leadership. Yeah. And that has happened, and I'm glad to say it, it's working out. I know. So. And that was your first trip to Korea. And then you went again um, about four or five years ago to do another um, peace mission trip, which I was honored to be part of. Um, so the ongoing work of trying to uh, bring peace um, into that small peninsula as Korea is still the only divided country in the world. So I'm grateful for your work. And also recently you um, also wrote a column uh, for Chicago um, Tribune, is it Chicago Tribune for the anti-Asian hate that needs to stop? So I'm, well, you know, you're... of our time is this anti-Asian violence. Uh, I remember yes. I was when I was running '84. I met mm -hmm. mother Vincent Chin. Vincent Chin was a young uh, kid from Japan, uh, from, from China, China, from China, from China. Uh -huh. 
Yeah. And UAW workers beat him to death in Detroit. Yeah. Beat him to death at six. Said he, they thought he was a, uh, a, a, a Japanese. Japanese. Uh -huh. We were Japanese college talk, you know, the Honda and the like. Yeah. And so I met his mother. They said the, the defense in, in court was we thought he was uh, we thought he was Japanese, mm -hmm. Chinese, anti-Asian violence. It's irrational, it's wrong, uh, it's unscientific, immoral, and we must stamp it out. I hope yeah. really President Biden is doing a good job, I think, early on. Uh -huh. We have a, a kind of current report saying relations race relations in America. Mm -hmm. We have uh, Japanese and uh, Asians. Latino and African Americans, where are we now? Mm -hmm. Another kind of miscommission before that would be a good thing, as well as as well as that involved civil rights commission, which has mm -hmm. uh, uh, in discrimination in, in, in employment and in access to capital and contracts and development. Yeah. So thank you for your work for that. And I know that kind of carries on Dr. King's work because um, near before he, you know, uh, one of the uh, last things that he was doing was trying to build a coalition and he invited Native, Native American leaders and Jewish leaders and Asian American leaders. So he was also reaching out to communities beyond he, the black He saw community. the world, he saw the world uh -huh. through a door, not through a keyhole. Mm -hmm. Racists tend to strict the world to what uh -huh. the, 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 each other. Okay, the, king, the, the last staff meeting we had on you know, his last birthday, should I say, yeah. 1968. The Native Americans were there, and uh, the South Southwest group in Southwest Texas, California, great visual pickers, uh, blacks from the Deep South, uh, Al Lawson, Jewish allies from New York, all, all the workers, labor. And then we met the Mother Richard Toilet. He felt that no group would prosper, all of uh -huh. us prospered. He was yeah. for the national plan, job and income, job and income for every American, every job and income. Mm -hmm. and, and we have not gotten that yet. We're moving in that direction, though. Uh -huh. I think that the code 19 has this level playing field of menace that uh, if you don't protect the, the driver, the driven can't be protected. If you don't protect the cook, the whom they cook cannot be protected. So we're really, really moving toward universal health care. There's a lot of resistance, maybe use another name, but the fact is that we must have universal health care based yeah. upon need, not based upon uh -huh. money. Yeah. So you have carried on Dr. King's legacy, and some of your speeches are directly related to Dr. King. So I'm grateful for that. You have a speech called um, Dr. King in Today's America. But one other speech I wanted you to kind of share a bit more is at the UN in 2013, you had a speech tribute to Nelson Mandela, and we included that in the book. Did you want to say more about that? It was a tribute. And I know you spoke almost every year um, on Nelson Mandela Day at the UN. So there is one of those speeches that we included. I met him uh... Uh, in South Africa, he came out of jail. He came into the to the hall in, in Cape Town. I was there, and Jesse Jr. was there as well. We had a, a great time with him that day. Uh, he's a phenomenal man. He's a trained lawyer. He and all of were both young lawyers in South Africa. They went to a, a, a treason trial. He was being treasoned because they were fighting against apartheid. They joined ANC as young, saw the youth movement. And of course, in time, he meddled into the leader of the country of the world. And he's a, a very able man. Mm -hmm. One thought he would have come out of jail 27 years later, kind of broken, and he was walking on a cane and glass, came out erect, straight, smart, talked to the world. I mean, I mean his, his, his competition in America when he came here was just so on time, as if, as if he never missed a day. Mm -hmm. So thank you for writing that speech and giving it at the UN. Um, also, the fascinating part about Keeping Hope Alive, your book, 
is that we included the two DNC speeches that you gave, which many people like Jimmy Carter said that your speech was one of the most significant speeches of our time. He said, he actually said that your speech blew him away. And it's not just Jimmy Carter, everyone. And, you know, many um, TV shows and uh, movie clips continue to show the clips of you speaking that night. Um, so did you want to say a bit about um, how you came up with those speeches, the context and the impact that it has made on the world? You know, when we sat in in 1960, used public libraries in Greenwood, South Carolina, eight, eight of us, we were trying to pull down the cotton curtain. We didn't, didn't realize how impactful that sitting was. That season, the public accommodation bill, prior then, uh, Nothing came spoken in Washington. We cannot use a hotel, motel, or public library in America, anywhere, uh, uh, beyond the Mason Dixon line. So uh, we can't use the toilet, we can't use the bathroom, we can't use school, we can't get employment. I grew up in Greenville, South Carolina. I never saw a black police since I was 20 years old. A black fireman, blacks didn't sell shoes downtown in the stores. Real raw, ugly segregation. But we, we began to overcome it. Uh, uh, believe that God, through God, all things are possible. Nothing too hard for God. We just kind of drove us in a theological sense of our sense of faith undaunted by controversy, by challenges. So I was saying, and that's where our time has come because 65 voting rights have not just for blacks. Mm -hmm. Blacks have been locked up for 100 years, but white women couldn't serve on juries in the South. Mm -hmm. 80-year-olds couldn't vote, couldn't vote on campus, couldn't vote bilingually. So that became a new majority. You had blacks, white women, Latinos, Native Americans, uh, and, 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 and Hispanic. That's that's the new majority. When it manifested itself, it, it, the election of Barack Obama in 2008. But we were breaking new ground. No black had ever run before a full campaign. It was a very daunting task. For example, black writers could be on their own presidential campaign for the first time. One night, black and white writers got into a confrontation. My writers saying black were too soft on me. They were recording what they saw, a big crowd. And I'm sure they had some private interest in the success of the campaign. People uh, began to see it as if our time has come. It's time for us moving to slavery, segregation, the right to vote. The right to vote has many dimensions. And of course, we got 400 delegates, but 3 million new voters. That didn't make sense to me. How can we change this? We changed the rules in 1984 from um, uh, uh, when to take all to proportionality. Mm -hmm. So if, if I get 48%, somebody gets 408, all my delegates. Following that spirit uh, of when to take all, uh, when Hillary ran against Barack, she won California. Texas, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, and New Jersey. She would have been the winner. Mm -hmm. He got his proportion. Mm -hmm. he, he, so the 8-8 campaign uh, grew and bore fruit in in the 08. Proportionality, it came out. And so, Lou Nassau landed in 88, saying we keep hope alive. Uh -huh. We did what we, we will get there. And in my lifetime, he Barack Obama, a good president, and elected and reelected. Uh -huh. Never see Kamala Harris on the ticket with Joe Biden. Yeah. So, I, 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 to see a woman there, uh -huh. I argued in 84, if a woman can guide India, the world's biggest democracy, can guide, uh, Britain, Margaret Thatcher, can guide India, uh -huh. uh, Israel in the middle in the middle of a war. A woman from going to take it to America. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a foreign idea at the time now. Kamala Harris is 
Red Den Lash is number two. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, that's exciting. So um, thank you for enlightening us about how uh, the winner's take all has changed to proportionality. Thank you because many people who don't have the inside of politics don't recognize all the different changes that have been made and, well, and the was, impact that you made too. Well, you had, you had to have 35% of be a delegate. You got reduced to 15%. You can get 15% to go and be a delegate. Allow the broader base of common people and students to be involved in the struggle in the form of because I know the Democratic Convention, but there are more people outside protesting inside as delegates on the broadness so people should really be heard. You hear people talking about things like a, a bill for a dominant income of America, medical aid for everybody, for the school of all children. Uh, it's, it's not funded as it should be, but these ideas are, are, are the born fresh fruit. And now we're, we're, we're feasting on the first group. We're still going to change America for the better. Mm -hmm. I'm not at all discouraged by it. There's a lot of negativism these days. But hope uh, uh, will outlast despair. Mm -hmm. And love will outlast indifference. We must mm -hmm. care about each other. Mm -hmm. Live together, brothers and sisters, die part of food. We must choose to live together. That's for sure. Rainbow. Otherwise, we will end up killing each other. So, yes, we must choose to live with one another. Um, I wanted to move to the concluding thoughts. You know, this was the most recent concluding thoughts um, that we were able to get to put in your book. And in that book, let me just um, um, read off a few sentences. Um, you write, um, you have to start with the isness of the situation, the context of people's lives. Otherwise, you can end up with pietistic entertainment. It doesn't move the needle of social structures. It doesn't change the conditions of people's lives. But if you start with the isness of the situation, the rightness of it, you bring a sense of justice and you look for the goodness of mercy of God. So can you say a little bit more about the isness? Well, right now, you know, many whites uh, were hostile to blacks, Asians, and the like. It is, the fact of the matter is that they were, they acted on what they were taught. When there's a wall between us, Kim, on the other side of the wall is unknown. Ignorance, hatred, fear, and violence. Ignorance of each other, hateful, violence of each other. And of course, we challenge that. The walls come down. Sunlight, we, we say a great thing when the walls up, you have little shadows, we live in the shadows, and we feel that if we if we get in, somebody else gets in, we get out. Life's not a zero sum game, including leads to growth, and it grows everybody to win. Mm -hmm. You couldn't have the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons behind the cotton curtain, you couldn't have from the Toyota and these big companies behind the cotton curtain. The curtain came that we, we all grew. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they tried to block uh, black units out, but they're not not morning football. Blacks and whites playing together, living together. You go to the big stadium on Saturday, you see millions of people across television watching football games uh, with black and white players. Why did black do so well in athletics, football, and basketball? Whenever the playing field is even, rules the public, rules clear, referee fast score, transfer, we can make it. Five rules, play, even playing field, uh -huh. 10 yards for all first down, uh, uh, fair rules. Uh, everybody knows what the rules are. The referee must be fair. If, they, if they, there's a controversy, they have a instant playback. And the score is transparent. Everybody knows what the score is. Well, that has not been true in politics. There's always some scheme to, to lock out uh, blacks or women or Latinos or Asians in some way. 
the 50-50 the uh, Democrats or something in, in, in the Senate. Democrats represent far many more, far one million more people than Republicans. Gerrymandered, so all people should be in, included, and they're, they're not, and that's part of our goal to keep. And, and when, we, when we arrive at these goals, we feel good about. We feel good about having Michael Jordan in basketball. We feel good about having Emmett Smith in, in football. We feel, we feel good about it. We we will not give ourselves a chance as the isness, you know, isness and oughtness. The isness mm -hmm. will ought to be. Okay. We, we we seek to solve the reality as we know it to be. Uh -huh. Seek to move toward the journey of transformation. Yeah, thank you. And I I'm hoping that if people don't have a lot of time to read every sermon or or a speech, that they would go right to the um, conclusion because your words are so powerful and it's there where you explain uh, where you came up with Keeping Hope Alive. Don't share it today. Um, I think the readers should go to read where you came up with the uh, Keeping Hope Alive phrase. And that's what we um, named the book. So I'm, the I'm, 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 I'm going to share. No. I am somebody to keep I, I must, I must uh, Oh, OK, yes. Please share that one. But then, but don't share was, the Keeping uh, Hope Alive. Uh, we, yeah. we were in uh, <laughs> Memphis, not the king was killed. Despair bounded. Uh, we did then and pulled out the king to April 4th. John, uh, Robert Kennedy killed June 6th. And so we were in Resurrection City in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. And uh, Reverend Abernathy asked me to be the mayor resident. He said, everyone wanted to go and give instructions for inspire people going their way. Uh, and that day, uh, a group of women were looking at me, mostly women and children. I don't know what to say to them. I had nothing to give them, no, no money, no food, no bus ticket back home. And I thought about Dr. Howard Thurman's book, Jesus Disinherited, that he says in that book, your back's against the wall, and there's, mm -hmm. and there's nothing, you're naked against the world. This is somebody, you're God's child. It's I am somebody. He responded, I may be poor, and I am somebody came out of that situation. Uh, uh -huh. but in 88, we had a good campaign rolling with one mission. Well on our way to heaven in New York, and somebody we we lost New York, uh, reasons that maybe become more apparent now instead of the manipulation. Mm -hmm. Philadelphia and people, some imagine it, it stopped in New York to explain us away. No, we have to keep hope alive. We can't give up. Mm -hmm. so if you hope and you keep hopping, that's power and hope. Uh -huh. Don't give up. Don't surrender. Yeah. When the spirit's broken. That's when you despair hits. Uh -huh. Despair cannot take part. You know, pull you back. So the hope mm -hmm. keeps you going. Okay, thank you for sharing that part. So the uh, afterward is written by Dr. Eddie Glau, who is a professor at Princeton. He was the president of American Academy of Religion, and I served on the board when he was a president. So it was just wonderful that he was able to write the afterward. It's a very just like um, Reverend Otis Moss Jr., who wrote a very personal forward. Um, Dr. Eddie Gloud actually wrote a very personal afterward, which was very surprising. And he shares his story of meeting you at the 1984 convention, the Democratic convention. So let me just say a few words, uh, read a few words of what he said. He was 15 years old at the time. So he writes in the afterward, I clung to every word. He laid bare a vision and a challenge to the party and to the country that fundamentally rejected the callous policies of Reagan and modern conservatism. It was a vision rooted in his Christian commitment to exemplify the ministry and sacrifice of Jesus in our contemporary living. Reverend Jackson ended his speech like a good 
Baptist preacher. I vaguely remember being carried away by it all. What I remember most, and time hasn't diminished the memory of memory at all, was a feeling of being charged to do more and to be better. So he hurt you and then he ran into you in the elevator. He was only 15 years old. So here he says was a feeling of being charged to do more and to be better. And so he says how impactful your life was on his work as a professor at Princeton in, Black, in African American studies and he does religion and, and history and et cetera. So this is the impact of him. I just wanna know, how you feel about him saying these words and you continue to impact so many people. You are the long distance runner. You know, but uh, uh -huh. you so seized in it. You so seized. Some of the rock will not uh, come alive. Some are blown by the wind. Some germinate. You never know. I, I remember some with uh, Barack Obama one day he said, uh, I was a student of Columbia and I saw the debate with you and Mandela Hart. And I said to myself, this can happen. A seed sown that blossomed. And I was 50 years old on, on the elevator. Said something hit him. Always take time with young people because they are hope. And their, their dream must not be feathered or locked into racial patterns. They must be able to grow and see the world as it, as it is, as it ought to be. Mm -hmm. So it was so for Eddie Cloudy from Baltimore, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And yet against yeah. those odds, he's president of the Department of African American History at Princeton. MSNBC, so it does not get a people where, where the clause shall be. I'm proud of him, love him so much. Yeah, so I think overall, it's just, to me, can you hold up the book? So the, you know, this will be on podcast and also on YouTube and, and on Facebook. So I hope people can get the book. It's Keeping Hope Alive, Sermons and Speeches. You got to hold it up a little higher. Sermons and Speeches of Reverend Jesse Jackson, Jr. Forward um, by Reverend Otis Moss, Jr. Afterward, Eddie Cloud. And I had the honor to edit the book. To me, it, it is a really, it's a living historical document. And to me, I just hope it gets into the hands of everybody. It's such an important piece of work. And my wish is that you will continue to write. Many churches are buying uh, uh, groups of hundreds of books yeah. and sharing with their congregations because uh -huh. when young people read it, they can begin to see a broader ministry than just one can find the church walls, churches yeah. where we preach the good news and we preach it everywhere. Uh -huh. It's always received, really. Sometimes yeah. there's, there's, there's resistance, but in the end, uh, if we so seized that the good ones will blossom. Yeah, and I think right when you say that, you realize as as people read your sermons and speeches that it is very blurry because your sermons are speeches and your speeches are sermon. So you, for you, uh, it was very clear that the church is not bound within the walls, but the pulpit is everywhere, the whole world. So you were able to preach. You are Jesus, a Baptist minister. Did not have a temple. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> he, he was by the seashore and got uh -huh. the fishermen. Uh -huh. He was just skills and plant skills and fishing for people, mm -hmm. pulling them out, out of the deep, out, out of the yeah. depths of things. Mm -hmm. A doctor, Luke, a doctor. Paul yeah. never saw him, but he felt his spirit. It's all the Paul of the great experience. Mm -hmm. But we see the growth of people, the good news. And the good news is that the miracle, frankly, of all the miracles is endured 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. It's strong every day. Yeah. When it's most in the world.
Uh-huh. So I'm right. glad. Yeah. So thanks for reminding us that churches are buying them in bulk, and I'm hoping that colleges and especially the historical black um, colleges and universities. I hope the students there will be reading it, and also in the seminaries we are reading it. Black so Lives Matter. Paul, 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 that, that brought you know, his case mm-hmm. of yeah. uh, uh, kid killed in in, uh, in, in Florida, mm-hmm. skittled, mm-hmm. Uh, going yeah. home. Trayvon Martin. Kid, yeah. They killed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then. Uh, uh, Diallo in New York mm-hmm. and on doorsteps, trying to fall at one time, police walked away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Browns killed in, uh, in in Missouri, mm-hmm. and uh, later on, three six hours died. And neighbor walked right past them, become that insensitive. Mm-hmm. And I said, Black lives should matter. Yes. And, and, and the depth of that, the innocence of that powerful thought, mm-hmm. a movement now that affects. I mean, the white marching is black thought. That's the good news. White, black, mm-hmm. and brown. We're rainbow marches. And yeah. this year they voted. Yeah. Because they voted for the first time. Uh-huh. They, they reap the benefits of voting. And now I have a, a government, more representative, mm-hmm. one putting forth economic packages to bail out the poor, and the, 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 the disheartened, and the downtrodden. Yeah. A government that is reaching out now across lines of race and gender and religion because we, we, we work with voters to make it happen. And it does mm-hmm. not get appear what we shall do. Yeah. Let me so say thank you. You. You, you, you. You're such an influence. <laughs> I, I, would, I wouldn't have written, had it not been for you, Kim, I wouldn't have written this book uh, because uh, I thought there was just sermons to be preached or statements to be made, as the case uh-huh. may have been. And I didn't appreciate it until I saw it in writing by you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Oh, well, thank you. It was an honor to do it. And my wish is that you will continue to write uh, part of your legacy so that we will have something to, tangible to read and to remember and just to reflect on because you have made such a global impact all over the world. So thank you for your work. Thank you for how you have changed people's lives, that you have given us hope to continue even today during the pandemic. So thank you so much, Reverend Jackson. Thank you for Let being on my Kim, podcast. King's last movement, uh-huh. people's campaign. Yeah. Uh, this past week, uh, I, I just came out the hospital. I went to an area come, uh, in, in south of South of Chicago. 400 people live there, 1,000 children. Most of the women, most of the women, uh, thousand children, no Wi-Fi in the house, no internet. Therefore, they can't do distance learning. Mm-hmm. And in that pause situation, people are dying. Thirty uh, percent of the income should go for housing. Sixty percent going. Sixty percent is going. And and the, the youth have no place to play. And the women abused. We're going to change that situation. That's, oh, I you. find joy in going into That's- dark places, bringing light. It's incredible how much you're still doing. Most people, you know, your age would just retire and just kind of do their own thing, but you it just don't stop. So thank you for that. Mandela, Mandela got married at age 80, president of South <laughs> Africa. Um, but Moses, I appreciate age 80. I mean, so what the heck? Yeah, you just keep going. So thank you for that. Thank you for the impact. And thank you for being on my uh, on my podcast. Thank you for being a guest on Madame. And thank you. so. I hope that there'll be more of your books coming out in the future. There will be. Keep up alive, Kim. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. This episode of Madang is sponsored by Good Faith Media and Louisville Institute. Thanks for listening.
Good Faith Media provides reflection and resources at the intersection of faith and culture through an inclusive Christian lens. They do so through four channels, news and opinion, video and podcasts, publishing and experiences. Learn more at goodfaithmedia.org. Funded by the Religion Division of Lilly Endowment, Louisville Institute awards grants and fellowships to those who lead and study North American religious institutions, practices, and movements, advancing scholarship to strengthen church, academy, and wider society. For more information, visit louisville-institute.org.